This morning we are continuing in a series titled uh, Life Together, and this morning we're going to look at truth about how to get there in terms of a good and healthy life together. That's what this series has been about, um, looking at truth that will help us to enjoy um, fruitful, joyful moments that will lead to better and deeper relationships, certainly with each other, but also, more importantly, with God. Uh, We've looked at a number of um, different truths, starting in week one, being understanding that that we need to be fed by faith, that we need to trust God, and that's a a key part of any relationship, right? Trusting God, trusting others, and that leads to deeper and healthier relationships. It's a tremendous truth in terms of needing to be lived out in our life together. We looked also at the reality of needing to live a life that is steeped in purpose. So running a race, 1 Corinthians 9, having our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, even Jesus, living life with purpose. We looked at truth about how to avoid breakdowns, looking at the story of when the nation of Israel was to go in and explore the land and how they had an epic breakdown forgetting, um, again, God's purpose. It's a huge part of avoiding epic breakdowns, remembering why it is that we even suck air and live, remembering that God and having the faith that he fulfills promises, that they're all true and good, and then certainly the need to live a life of obedience, all found in that story, all things that help us avoid breakdowns. And then last week, we looked at truth about who we be and how that makes or breaks the journey truth again out of Numbers um, 14, but then also Ephesians 4, about how to to go through life with the right heart set, the right attitude, so that the relationships that we have thrive and are healthy, and certainly the right heart set and attitude about living life as a follower of Jesus or walking with God makes an incredible difference. Next week, um, Pastor Kathy is going to wrap this series up by looking at the things that we can celebrate and enjoy about the future, the opportunities and the celebrations that God brings in our heart and in our life as we walk with him. But today we're going to look at one more truth, and it's a truth that is essential, a key part. And in fact, um, thinking about living life together and having any kind of meaningful life is void without it. It's a powerful truth. And it's truth about how we get there in terms of living life together in a meaningful way and in a way that has has purpose. One of the things that is true in terms of that I've experienced in ministry about time with people is I get a lot of questions that are asked of me. And the overwhelming majority of them are focused on on really one thing, and that is when, when people are wondering about decisions and choices, I get questions about God's will, questions about God's leading. So people want to know, so is this the right thing to do or the wrong thing to do? Is this what God would have me to do or not have me to do? I really believe that people have it in their hearts often that they they really want 
the correct answer they really want to be in God's will. I would submit to you, as I share with them, it's not so much often even about knowing God's will. I, I think we have his, his word. We have the Holy Spirit inside. And, and as soon as that occurs, I, I think we, we, we have that understanding, that heart set right, God's presence in us, the holiness to know what his will is, the question really is, are we going to go there? It's about leading. We know what his will is. Are we going to submit to it? Are we going to do the things that we know that he would have us to do and be the kind of people that we know he wants us to be or not? It is that way even back in the garden, right? Adam and Eve knew what they were supposed to do. They just didn't do it. I think that's often very true for us. We have a clear sense of understanding about God's will. It's a matter of whether or not we're going to pick up our feet and follow him. And I really do believe that that's what most people, whether they have that faith um, assurance of Jesus Christ or not, what they want out of life. They want to do the right things, and they want God in their life. And so I just want to ask you that question as we start this morning. What about you? What about your life? Are you someone who wants to experience God in your life? In bigger, deeper, more profound ways? I don't think I've ever heard, um, had anybody say no to that, especially if they know God, if they know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins and they had that gift of the Spirit inside. And they've experienced what I would call God moments. See, once you know God, you want to know more. Once you experience God in your life, you want to experience Him more, even though sometimes we don't do a really great job at that. The more that we do and the more that we follow, the more we understand and know this, that we can have our plans and we can think about our future and we can draw things up, but the more we let go of that and we let God go, we realize that we're able to live a life that's better than anything that we could draw up. And that's part of the truth this morning about getting to a place, life together with others and with God that is simply amazing and powerful. And there's only really one way to have that happen. And we're going to look at truth out of Numbers 14, 39 to 45 in just a moment. Read about the nation of Israel. Again, we're going to go back to what we did in week three in terms of looking at the exploration and see how that is so. The answer to that, God's answer to how do we get there? How do we get to a life that is pleasing and holy? How do we get to a life together with others and with him that is tremendous and great and better than we can draw up? Now, just a recap uh, once again of that exploration. That is at the start of chapter 13 in Numbers you'd read that, that God um, had them on the cusp of entering the promised land. He had promised it to them. And he had told them to go in. 
And then he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take leaders to go in, look at the land, find out what it's like, come back, share what you found. And they do go, but they do more than that. They come back. Yes, they give a report. They even show off some of the fruit. But what else do they do? They give their own assessment, their own opinion, say we can't go in there. And then there's disobedience, and it just goes on and on, takes them to a terrible place. They have an epic breakdown, and they get consequences then. That's always true in life. Consequences, and they, they don't like hearing the consequences. They're pretty steep. You know, for every day of the exploration, they're given a year of wandering in the wilderness. And those, again, that came back and defied God's commands, uh, the leaders died. And so we're going to pick up the story at that point after Moses shares with them the consequences. And as we do, I just ask you again to open up your heart wholly and completely to what it is that God is speaking, yes, to all of us, but to you very specifically. Hear the word of the Lord as it comes to us out of Numbers 14, verses 39 to 45. When Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly. Early the next morning, they went up toward the high hill country. We have sinned, they said. We'll go up to the place the Lord promised. But Moses said, why are you still disobeying the God's command? This will not succeed. Do not go up because the Lord is not with you. You will be defeated by your enemies for the Amicalites and Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you and you will fall by the sword. Nevertheless, in their presumption, they went up towards the high hill country, though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from the camp. Then the Amicalites and the Canaanites who lived in the hill country came down and attacked them and beat them down all the way to Hormah. This is the word of God. Might it be written in our hearts and live in our lives. So if if you would have been reading this continually, you would have started at chapter 13, you would have gotten to this place, you might be scratching your head. You know, I know often when I read stories in Scripture, that, that's something that kind of happens, and I, I kind of think about, you know, really? You know, after all that God had did, the things that he showed you, you still don't get it? Yeah, until I think a little bit more about me and the way that I live my life, and I think that maybe that's true for all of us when we think about this particular text because what had happened, they had experienced an epic breakdown because they didn't listen to God. And so here we are again. They, they hear the consequences. And I think a little bit about that too, the, the, you know, the weeping bitterly. There's, there's three parts that are, are really we can understand and get it if, if we just think about human behavior well, they weep bitterly when they hear the consequences. And is that not something that's true about people in general and sometimes us, that when we hear the consequences, it makes us really sad? You, God would hope that we would express remorse and sorrow before we even find out what that really means. 
You know, so as soon as we would disobey, we do something wrong. But it seems to be that, that the sorrow kind of increases a little bit after we find out what's going to happen. The, the penalty, the consequences, if you will. I remember when my children were little, and after being disobedient or something, I'd have a sit-down with them. We'd talk about it, and I'd be very clear about this is what's going to happen now. These are the consequences. This is what you did. These are the consequences. And I would often go on and maybe too much and saying if you do it again this is what's going to happen boom 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 kind of lay out the map and I would always make sure that when I was in the midst of that process and I was explaining consequences one of the last things that I would say to them always is but know that that dad loves you and he forgives you for what you did and then my kids' face would brighten up a little bit and say you mean I'm not grounded no still going to happen but you could almost see it in the conversation where the face melts a little bit more when they find out what what the deal is human behavior and then this this reaction sometimes and I, I think it's genuine they want to make amends right all of a sudden it's like yeah we'll go up there we'll go ahead and do the right thing have you ever had that happen too where somebody has wronged you or done something wrong or you've done something wrong and all of a sudden you want to make it right? And, and, and so you just almost are, are, are um, anxious or eager about, about doing things that are right, kind of patching things up? Well, that's where they're at, one big problem. God still hadn't told them to do what they had in their hearts to do. You, you see that, verse 44 it says, nevertheless, in their presumption. And that nevertheless is a response to what happened just before that. They said, hey, we're going to go up there. We're going we're to go into the land. We'll do it. We realize that we're wrong. And what does Moses say? And this is where the, the truth and the challenge really comes out for us. This is the life lesson that's so hard for us to learn whether it's followers of Jesus Christ or, or, or followers of Jesus Christ together. And that is an understanding of how do we get to where we're going in life. We get there with God. And so what happened? They, they, they say that they want to go, but then Moses speaks out against it. Verse 41. He says, God's not going with you. Don't go. It's not going to go well for you. And re remember a couple of things. And, and he speaks about the Ark of the Covenant. God's leading, God's presence. Moses was the, the leader. He was the spiritual leader. He was the mouthpiece of God sharing and speaking and he said, I'm telling you, don't go. But besides that, remember the Ark of the Covenant. And do you remember, anybody remember, you read the stories of when they were in the wilderness after they left Egypt, how they got around? Reminder, there was a cloud, a big cloud that led them by day and a fire by night. It was before this event. It was after this event. It was a visible sign, unmistakable. This is where I'm at. This is where you need to go. So when that cloud moved, they would pick up the ark and they would go. Now, some of you might be thinking, would that not be neat to have? 
Wouldn't you love to have your own cloud? Your own fire? So you could, when you're thinking about choices, when you're thinking about decisions, you're thinking about God's will, you just kind of look up and you, okay, it's going that way. That's the way I need to go. That would be really super neat, wouldn't it? But then remember, you have something better. You had the revealed word of God to lead you and guide you, and you have the gift of the Holy Spirit inside. You don't need to see a cloud. He gave you himself. And he wants you to know that if you want, again, the best life ever, if you want to know how to get to there or there or there or there, wherever it is that you're thinking of picking up your feet and moving, that you know how to get there, and that is by following his leading and doing his will. Again, so that you will be able to live the best life ever. The reality is this. Going your own way will never get you to where God is leading you. And I hope that you know, if you know God at all again, I hope that you know that your plans and the things that you want and the desires that you have, yes, at times they intersect, but they're never, ever as good as God's. God wants so much more for you in your life than you can even imagine. And so the best life that you could draw up, whatever you think that might be, he would take it to a whole other level and more than likely it would look very different. Those are things that, that I've experienced in my personal life and I'm sure that you have. And yet there's that struggle, isn't there? Verse 44, in their own presumption. And isn't that sometimes how we do things? They had thought about what had happened. And maybe they all held up or in their own minds. They thought, you know what, hey, let's write out that list. We'll put all of the pros over here. We'll put all of the cons over here. We'll think about all of the things that are really good and great and all of the things that aren't. And we'll move forward based on what we know and what we believe is the right thing to do. And so off they go. But how about us? Don't we do that too? We need to think about the way that you make decisions, the choices that you make. What are the factors I've had all kinds of conversations with people, for instance, about, about jobs. Somebody comes and says, well, should I take this job or shouldn't I? And I'm kind of like, how do I know? <laughs> I said, you've got better insight than I do. Just ask the Lord. And the pros and the cons are getting thrown out there, right? It's a promotion. I'll make more money. All kinds of different things, and those things aren't bad. But, but I always have to ask, so have you, have you prayed about it? Have you, have you thought about the other things? I remember, you know, having seen the wheels start to turn, and sometimes somebody said, well, yeah, you know what, I'm going to get a promotion. I'm going to make 
loads more money, but it also means I'm going to be away from my family five days a week. I'm not going to have time to, to really serve or do anything in the body of Jesus. So they, Sometimes they're both hands. Sometimes they're not. But it, but it also just amazes me often that when people are laying those things out, and you can, again, you can put any decision that you want in there. The, the friends that you have. The, the, the things that you participate in and engage in in your private, personal life. You, you can lay them all out. And, and the question that you should always be asking, because again, you're not going to get to where you really want to go unless God is leading you there. Is this something that's going to, to help me in my life together with God and with others or not? And you soon come to realize the more and more that you do that, that certainly his word and the leading of his Holy Spirit will speak, and it will be clear, clearer than a cloud, clearer than a ball of fire. And that the choices that he's leading you to and that he hopes you make will lead to good, great, and wonderful things. Can you have good things in your life apart from God? Sure. Maybe even things that you might consider great or certainly that the world considers great. But someday they won't matter. And the only way you're going to get things that are lasting and eternal and that are the best, the best, is by his presence and a heart and a life lived. That's it. Don't take my word for it. Take his. There's a tool that Satan has in his box that is the best one that he uses. Do you know what it is? Think a minute. Life. Life with God, life with others. What's, what gets in the way of that more often than not? Are you willing to say it? You. Self. The greatest obstacle to living a life and going where God wants you to go is you yourself. It's true for all of us. I'm not pointing that out to you. To be, I'm right there with you. Self-idolization. To cater to what it is that you want, your desires, what brings you happiness. It shouldn't be surprising because that's the world that we live in. We learn well from the world. Culture would tell you that it's all about you. The world spins around you. Everything that you want, you deserve. Anything that you want to do, it's okay because it's what you want. Well, 
God loves you more than you'll ever know. But I have to tell you this. It's not about you. Listen to these words. Colossians 1, verse 16. Open up your heart. Really hear them. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, everything. And then this, here it is. For all things were created by him and for him. That's the truth that God wants us to realize. This thing called life, it's about Him. We've been given a gift and the privilege to suck air, to live, to experience the things. And He created a beautiful world, didn't He? All kinds of wonderful things, all kinds of wonderful people to live it with. God is so good and God is so gracious. And he wants us to know because that's the pull always. If Satan can get you to think about yourself and all that you want, he's got you right where he wants you. And when you think about plans and you think about future, how many times does God come into that equation? I hope always. And if you want to live the best life ever, that'll be how you pick up your feet and walk. And you'll experience... Incredible, profound, wonderful things. It takes that heart and that understanding. I want to read another truth for you that speaks about that. And it's this, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Or do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Powerful words. You know, when Jesus was um, going to leave earth and his disciples, he was having a conversation. You can read about this in John 14. And he says he's going to go. And he says, by the way, you're going to go there too. You're going to know how to get there. And maybe you remember what one of the disciples says, Thomas. He says, um, excuse me, how do we know how to get to your heavenly father and go there? Remember what Jesus says? <laughs> you already know. Because you know me. And then he shares these words, John 14, 6, For I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. How do we get to a great life together with God? Yeah, through Jesus. How do we have the kind of relationships that we desire with other people? Through Jesus. 
in this passage in Romans 12, 1 and 2, urges us, commands us, tells us that that's where we need to go. I just want to break it down very quickly. I urge you in view of God's mercy. What is he speaking about there? It's what we just celebrated. Have you ever thought about that? When you think about um, maybe the, the cost of following Jesus and what that looks like, those are always things, again, pros and cons we weigh in our mind. But think about this. Jesus gave you everything, left the best place, best place ever, came to earth to do what? To be rejected, ridiculed, spit on, beat up, whipped, to die for you. And so when we think about living life, and again, doing it according to our plans, a reasonable response to what Jesus did for us is to live for him. I mean, some people in, in better gene pools than me are going to maybe see a hundred or so. But even if you had that kind of a lifespan, what is that in, in respect to eternity? Have you ever thought about that? It's just, you can't even see it. If you were to put a line from that end of the, the wall, that sanctuary over to there, and that represented eternity, even though it would blow out the walls and you can't see it, you'd be looking and it'd be going over the trees. You couldn't even find your life on that. And yet, why do we struggle with then following Jesus and, and, and seeking his will in his heart? Spiritual act, and it's your a spiritual act of worship, and that, the, word, the Greek word there is logoston, and what it means is reasonably. God gave you everything so you could live the best life ever and then have all of eternity in the best place you can't even wrap your brain around that you can only imagine about. Great song by Mercy Me. Isn't it reasonable then that for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years you would follow him? And in the meantime, get to experience the best life ever? How does that happen? Through Jesus. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. New self, presence of God, presence of Jesus living, thriving, rising up in you to help you to be. Transformation. Change. Having life not be about you and what you want, but about God. Salt and light. Witnesses, purpose, winning people to Christ, equipping them to serve, specifically, individually, you, your world, the body of Jesus together. Those things won't happen if we try to go it alone or our way. It'll only happen through the leading of Jesus Christ. That's the desire that God has. For you to be salt and light, his witnesses in a lost and hurting world that he deeply loves. I don't think it takes too long for us to recognize what selfishness looks like. 
We certainly can see it quickly in others. Hopefully we can see it in ourselves. And then that we're willing to bow down at the throne of grace on our knees before Jesus and God and say, I'm so sorry I made it about me. Because I really want the best life ever. And I want you, oh God, to be glorified and honored. I really do. So I'm going to give it all away. And I'm just going to pick up my feet and follow you. That's the challenge. That's the question. Are we going to function in our own presumptionness? Or are we going to take a minute and listen to God? I think you know what he's hoping for. And I think deep down that's true for you. Let's pray to God. Well, God, I thank you for your word and your truth. Lord, in spite of uh, ourselves, uh, you work. And you work and you work and you work. And you keep giving grace and forgiveness. Lord, we are so thankful. But on this day, oh God, in this moment, we pray for your presence. We pray for the leading of your spirit. We pray for transformation and change. Oh, we thank you for the way that we can see that. We can experience that in our lives with you in them. And yet, oh God, because we want to glorify you and to be salt and light, to do things, oh God, that will last forever beyond the landscape of humanity on earth. Lord, for your kingdom for all of eternity, we pray, change us from the inside out. Help us to pick up our feet and follow you. We want to be with you. We want to be your people now and forevermore, every single minute. So continue to work. Continue to bless. In your name we pray.